This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Monday, February the 13th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Netflix is cracking down on account sharing. With another update, Mark Flalo will fill you in on that story. And Ryan Delahanty will highlight a couple of AMI podcasts to check out this week. The hour begins with the regional news update. Beginning in BC, the British Columbia government is putting more money into infrastructure spending. Premier David Eby explains where some of the investment is going. This is a one-time, $1 billion investment to help communities meet the demands of record population growth, aging infrastructure, and support those communities impacted by downturns, for example, in the forestry sector. These grants will be available to all 188 of BC's municipalities and regional districts. The provincial government is forecasting a $6 billion surplus. Over to the prairies, this past weekend marked the return of the Winter Festival in Love, Saskatchewan. The 50th annual event in the village of 67 people offers games like leg wrestling, that sounds like fun, pillow fights, ooh la la, it had been interrupted, of course, the last couple of years because of the pandemic. The community northeast of Prince Albert recently opened a wedding chapel for people to tie the knot in love. And Canada Post has given love its own unique teddy bar, teddy bear postmark. And thousands of pieces of mail go through the post office each year just to receive it. A little bit of a cute story for you there. Over to Ontario, visitations continue for longtime Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion today. McCallion will lie in wake at Mississauga City Hall today before her funeral at the Paramount Fine Food Centre at 11 a.m. tomorrow. She is remembered as an outspoken political powerhouse who earned respect from fellow politicians across the spectrum during her more than three decades in office. And finally, in Prince in Atlantic provinces, Prince Edward Island school staff appreciation begins today. Over 4,000 people work in public schools across PEI, so people are encouraged to recognize the important role that school staff play in education and learning. And, you know, maybe when they go on strike for better wages and benefits, you uh, support them there too. Let's bring in Brock Richardson. Lots to chat about in the world of sports. All right, Brock, let's start with Super Bowl reaction. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35 in what was another excellent Super Bowl. Pretty much for the last 20 years, Brock, like 15 of the 20 games have been excellent. And last night was another example of it. Yes, it was. And it was such a pleasure to watch. I had uh, my friend from the neutral zone, Josh Watson, uh, join me for the oh, better part right of the on. day. And it was a good time. We enjoyed the football game. We we both were were very um, skeptical of this football game and that it might have been a blowout. Well, that wasn't, in fact, the case. Listen, uh, I, this is Patrick Mahomes is becoming in territory of I can't bet against him. Uh, I the running joke last night in 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 my household between Josh and I was 
well, maybe his foot's frozen, and you know this is what <laughs> this is what's going on, and we won't know this. But man, great game on both sides of the ball, and um, you know, uh, Philadelphia has a set of cojones for going uh, three times on fourth down in in the game, and I really thought that that was going to be the difference. I thought I was going to come on here this morning and say, yeah, it's because they went on uh, on fourth down, and I really think Dave the difference. Uh, Captain Obvious is that Kansas City scored on every possession in the second half of the game, and that seems to be the difference of the the game. So, yeah. very good game overall, and uh, I loved it. The the Philadelphia defense, which was much heralded going into the game, including by myself, really never got going last night. And the thing they really failed to do was put adequate pressure on Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs had an excellent game plan getting the ball out in less than 2.6 seconds on average, which didn't give the Philadelphia pass rush an opportunity to go after Patrick Mahomes. But Brock, late in the first half, when he was ankle tackled, on his bad ankle, Patrick Mahomes that is, and you saw the agony on his face on the sideline. I I thought Kansas City might have been cooked right there. I don't know so what did I. I don't know what they gave him at halftime, but I want it. Yeah. I I agree with you 100%. I thought for sure that that would be the uh, beginning of the end of the Kansas City Chiefs in that exact moment and Philadelphia you know, you're never going to prove it, but Philadelphia knew his ankle was was you know not a hundred percent, and the way that that tackle was, I'm not saying there was intent, but it just happened to be. Oops, sorry, we had to get you by the ankle just because of the way the play was going, and and they they knew what they were up to. And the one thing I two things I want to say here. Number one is that Kansas City had something to prove. If you watched the post-game show last yeah, night... Chip on their the shoulders. Inter- chip, chip on oh, their shoulders. Big time, big time, big time. And and that really can make a huge difference when you have a chip on your shoulder and you're literally you know, swearing on national television, basically saying nobody gave us a, a bleeping chance, you know, we're here, we've got Patrick Mahomes, etc., you know, two Super Bowls in in four years. You know, he they definitely had something to prove, and and I think that came out to be. The second thing I want to say is that uh, James Bradbury owned up to the defense that yes, in fact, he took a late holding penalty, and he was hoping the officials quote missed it. And you can't rely on that in a late situation. I felt it was a bit ticky tacky in a, in the late part of the game. But at the end of the day, it was a holding penalty, and it was called as such. Yeah, it, it was by the book a, a holding penalty, but it had not been called all game. That that's the frustration that 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 type of play was going on throughout the day was not being called, and in a huge moment on a third down late in the fourth quarter that it was called, I think frustrates a lot of people. It, it changed the complexion of the game, but you're right. It was by the book and James Bradbury admitted that he held him. So that sort of takes the controversy away, but it doesn't take the bad taste out of viewers' mouths. But Brock, I just thought overall, for I said this earlier in the show, that from 6 p.m. Eastern time when the anthem started right through to the last whistle, it was an excellent television broadcast. I really enjoyed Chris Stapleton doing the national anthem. I really liked Babyface doing America the Beautiful. I really enjoyed the Rihanna halftime show. 
I thought the game was excellent. The commercials were funny. I just thought overall a really, really stellar effort. I would say if you consider from beginning to end, that was right there with the 2015 Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl with the Katy Perry halftime show, with uh, a really good national anthem with the actor and singer from Frozen. I just thought this was probably the best complete Super Bowl in about eight years from back to front. Yeah, I think just on your comment about the halftime show, I think that, you know, the only sort of weird part for me was the dancers covered in white. They they reminded me of, you know, the, the sponge towel commercials <laughs> of, like, the people you see, you know, in those big sponge towel commercials. I think Rihanna did a fine job. I was just very, very distracted by these white dancers who were very in sync, and that's fine, but... I just was very distracted. And and again, the whole whole conversation in my household is, was she pregnant? Is she pregnant? Which, in fact, she she is. But I think her performance was decent. I just think the the white dancers was very, very distracting. Yeah, they definitely set up a very visual contrast with that halftime show with her her in the bright red with the lit up podiums and a ton of pyro, a lot of fireworks. And then you're right, the bright white furry costumes of the dancers. But my goodness, the choreography, that was not an easy feat to pull off and it was I thought it was really really well done I also liked that it very much had a live performance feel to it okay sure there might have been some lip syncing going on but I really felt like the actual musical performance wasn't just okay here's the song from the album put it over the speakers and let's dance it really felt like there was a lot of thought put into making all of those songs feel original I I really liked what they did with that show I liked it as well, and I will say that I, I found that Rihanna crammed a lot into oh, a, little yeah. bit of t- a little bit of time. There was a, some songs we did know, some songs we didn't know. If if you're you know not an avid Rihanna follower, which newsflash, I am not, um, <laughs> but there was some that I knew, and I just thought she did a real nice job for for mixing the halftime show. I loved the you know the platforms up in the air i think that was a huge great touch so the whole audience could could see the performance i i think this is it was great i agree with you uh my wife will tell you as she might be sitting out in the living room watching this literally right now she'll tell you no 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 Katy perry still takes the cake from 2015 when she came out on the uh the tiger, tiger. yeah and and that's fine but i agree i think it was right up there and yes for those of you wondering she is pregnant and she will give uh birth and she did have a baby not too long ago this past may so good honor for coming out there and putting on a on a great performance and to be honest dave i am quite pleasantly surprised that we spent this long discussing the (laughs) halftime show because as two guys that like the football game uh, yeah it was a decent halftime show to keep us engaged uh her partner uh is hip-hop artist asap rocky uh who has not released an album since 2018 she hasn't released an album since 2016 it's uh very clear what they've been up to for a couple of years uh based on baby (laughs) number two on the way uh brock let's let's switch over to something serious in the first hour of the show michelle mcquig of the canadian press shared a lot of the background of the labor strife impacting the canadian women's soccer team over the weekend uh staging some job action and protest over benefits and pay equity um, and then being forced back into action as Canada Soccer uh, threatened legal action. So, Brock, that's the news element of the story. But I want to get your opinion on what's happening there in regards to pay equity. 
my opinion, and I posted this on social media over the weekend, and I, you know, I, I said to somebody, it's, it's too bad that this is happening. Um, and this shouldn't be the reason why this isn't happening. I just going to say this as a, because of this, this should add to it. They, they won the gold medal at the, at the last, you know, Olympic game. Mm -hmm. Why are, why are we treating them with such inappropriateness with funding and all this? The women deserve it. They deserve to go on strike. It's too bad that they were forced back. I support them. And you know what? Soccer Canada, you do deserve to, a little bit of transparency and uh, allowing them to see the budgets. And there's a reason you're not being forthcoming. And they know there's a reason yeah. you're not being forthcoming, which is why we're having this conversation. Because if you wanted to be forthcoming, just say, here's the documents. And obviously, to me, this screams, yeah, you spent more money on the men's program and you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and, and Brock, I'm going to interrupt you. And even then, the men are saying what you're providing us is inadequate. The men went on job action last year because of the inadequacy of resources being put towards the program. So if the men who they're spending more money on are also saying this is subpar, you can only imagine how subpar what they're offering the women, what the women are getting. And let's be clear. Canadian women's soccer has been cream of the crop for about 14 years now. That program was built up steadily through the 2000s and has been one of the best programs in the world for about a decade. And it just seems over and over and over again, Canada soccer is slapping them in the face. Yeah, it does. And why would you want to participate with an organization that just keeps you know, thumbing their nose at, at, at their whole program. And you're right, the men the men's program is not happy. They they went on job action. This is not like the men are sitting on this, you know, cushy situation and oh, we're being, you know, much better supported um by by the organization because they're not. And we don't have time, but I will tell you tomorrow, I'm gonna tell you a situation where in my career we really felt slapped in the face uh by the government and when we were athletes and it happens all over the place uh but yeah. i digress i'll save that till tomorrow but yeah it, it's 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 unfortunate it's too bad i i support the women i think they deserve you know better and they deserve better if for nothing else other than the fact that they won at the olympic games and why are you treating them like this? It's yeah. that simple. Yeah, that's well put, Brock. Brock, thank you for this. We'll absolutely get into more equity issues in sports tomorrow. I was at um, the Great Valentine's Day Gala, which offers supports to uh, medal-winning Paralympians last, uh, last weekend. So I've got a few things to say about this as well. So, Brock, for now, we bid you adieu. Have a great day. You as well. That is Brock Richardson. He is at the AMI Sports Desk. Mike Ross is at the AMI Weather Desk. Thanks very much, Dave. This is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We begin in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where there will be flurries this after or this morning, and then it makes a sun and cloud through the afternoon. The high is minus five, the wind chill minus nine. Charlottetown has a mix of sun and cloud with a high of zero, the wind chill minus 13. In St. John, New Brunswick, it'll be mainly cloudy with a high of plus one. The wind chill is minus eight. Quebec City will see some clouds roll in this afternoon. The high is minus 2, the wind chill minus 10. In Toronto, increasing cloudiness through the day and a high of 7 degrees. Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario will be cloudy with a high of plus 1 and the wind chill minus 11. 
into Manitoba. Brandon, mainly cloudy today with the high of plus three. The wind chill is minus 16. In Regina, it'll be mainly sunny with a high of plus two and the wind chill minus 12. To Lethbridge, Alberta, mainly sunny today with a high of eight degrees. And in Red Deer, some flurries, about two to four centimeters in total. Your high is seven degrees. Your wind chill, though, this afternoon will be minus nine. In Whitehorse, periods of snow ending early this afternoon. The temperature steady near minus eight, the wind chill minus 17. Kelowna, BC will be mainly cloudy with a chance of flurries this afternoon. Your high is plus four. And in Vancouver, a few showers today, er, ending early this morning, then mainly cloudy through the rest of the day. The high is seven degrees. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll talk to you again in a couple of minutes. But coming up next, Netflix is cracking down on account sharing with another update. Marco Flalo will fill you in. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown. Netflix is cracking down on account sharing. In an update, the company says it's imposing fees to crack down on users who have been sharing their passwords. Let's check in with Mark Aflalo to learn more about this. Mark is the co-host of Double Tap TV. Double Tap TV airs on AMI-tv Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Hey, good morning, Mark. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm a little uh, uh, wrinkled by this news. Uh, it's going to impact me. How big a problem is account sharing for Netflix? Oh, well, I mean, uh, you know, we could talk about numbers in a second, but this is uh, the first time that uh, Netflix has publicly announced that they are actually sustaining its first decline in subscribers in a decade. And a big part of that is trying to fight a rush of obviously new competitors that are out there. And they're mm -hmm. saying, you know, number wise that uh, 100 million households worldwide and of that 30 million in North America alone are sharing passwords that's a pretty big chunk of change when it comes to the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, no, no, there's there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, for years, they sort of tacitly approved of this, letting people create different profiles inside yeah. an account. So even if you were sharing a password, you could still build individual profiles. I, you know, I, listen, I'll be honest. My, my, my parents have been using my Netflix for like eight or nine years. I'll, I'll confess that on the air. I don't care. <laughs> They're going to raise my price anyway, as they've been doing for the last decade as it stands. Um, what's the reaction been like from subscribers here? Because it's not simply they're cracking down on password sharing. They're actually throwing in quite a number of hurdles here in terms of accessing your own account, accessing your own account while being mobile or while being remote. There's the possibility of you're not logged in to your home Wi-Fi or what's considered your home Wi-Fi. So maybe you're traveling for business, you're in a hotel room. They're kind of making you, uh, they're giving you temporary codes that are only good for seven days. And if it's more than seven days, there's other things being factored in. So they're making this quite complex. And yeah. how is this going over with other subscribers besides just me? 
Not 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 very well. Sorry, my my Amazon Echo in the background has decided to pipe in on this conversation. Well, Alexa, she's, stop. She's very <laughs> concerned. She's very concerned about this password. I know. It's 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 one of these. You know, she's very concerned. It's because of the Super Bowl numbers yesterday. Uh, reaction <laughs> has not been positive. But the fact of the matter is, is that you know, as you admitted, and listen, I've had a friend in the U.S. who's been using my Netflix account for I don't know how many years. Um, everybody's doing it, and it's something that's common knowledge and common practice not only on the Netflix side of things, but on pretty much every streaming platform that exists that's out there. So it's something that a lot of the newer ones are already combating when they launched. If you think of Paramount or even um, you know, Disney Plus when they launched, they added a caveat in there that if you're using it outside of your household, there will be an additional charge. So this is not something that comes as a surprise to subscribers, but I think it might hit the bottom line at the end of the day because people are evaluating on a monthly basis what they're spending their discretionary income on. And Netflix is one of those things that has discretionary income. Mm -hmm. And this is why when you look at the streaming providers that are out there is that there's a lot of competition to create original content because that is what sets them apart. I think that I've logged into my Netflix maybe once in the last three months to watch the new oh, season wow. of Big Mouth. So let me tell you, yeah. I was already very much considering scrapping my $20 a month fee that it's hitting me, mm -hmm. hitting me with. And I'd kind of told my parents that and they were like, are you broke? Is that the problem? I'm like, no, it's not that I'm broke. It's, that I'm, not using, it's that I'm not using the service. <laughs> um, but so I, like, this is a situation where I am definitely considering scrapping my Netflix and moving on to something like Crave yeah. that if I'm going to pay $20 a month, Give me premium content. And at this point, Netflix just isn't offering premium content. Yeah, and, and this is the challenge that they're going to face. And I think they're going to realize this once they introduce this. Now, they're saying that we're going to start seeing this happen uh, by the end of March. And let me let me try to recap. Let me not try. I'm going to recap the price points here for you, okay? Because it's important to see how big of a gap it is. $5.99 a month gives you an ad-supported version of Netflix, okay? $9.90 a month is a basic plan without ads. $16.99 a month is what they call their standard plan, which lets you up to four people watch in the same household, uh, the same, same physical location. That's important to That's say. Right. Same Under the same like, Wi-Fi code. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you want to add an extra person, it's $7.99 a month extra, so $8 extra, up to two other people, but per user. So if you have two other people at two different locations, it's 8 bucks per person up to two people. There is a premium plan that does let you, you know, the four people share outside. You're like, if you're on the same account and you're you're just on a phone, for example, and this have some way of tracking that, that's going to be $20.99 $20 a month and add those extra two people, you could be paying $35 a month, depending on what you're doing. And this is a lot of people have a lot of questions because I, for example, am traveling, you know, this next week. Um, when I leave my house, am I do I have to charge, you know, pay extra because I'm leaving yeah. my house? Yeah. A lot of things to consider that we're not sure about yet and that they have yet to release answers to those questions on. Yeah, it's 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 at that point where where it it seems a little bit uh, it, it just seems like it's kind of messy. Is there any action that's required from the user at this point who maybe have been engaging in sharing their password and are not considering pulling the plug like me? An email already went out. If you haven't received it already, check your junk saying that this is coming and you're going to have to opt into this. It's going to basically, if you try to log in from a different location, it's going to say, sorry, your service does not support that. Click here to opt into external sharing and you're going to have to do that. They can't mm. legally just start charging you more money unless they give you know some kind of advance notice but a regular price increase. Right, this right. is about the actual, you have to take action in order for this to actually go in your account. So don't worry that suddenly you're going to get charged an extra, you know, eight or 16 bucks a month.
You know uh, what I've been thinking about as we're having this conversation? That when Netflix launched, I'm not talking about when they were uh, sending out DVDs in the mail. I'm talking about Netflix in earnest on streaming. Something like casting didn't really exist yet. I wonder how casting has played into this as well, where somebody comes over, they're hanging out at your house, and they can cast from their phone or their tablet to your TV, to your Chromecast or to your Apple uh, TV technology or your Amazon technology. So now it's become even easier not even to say, hey, I've got to log in on your TV or on your Xbox. They can just literally shoot it off their phone onto somebody's television. Yeah, so you bring up an interesting point. That being said, you know, are you casting off of your cellular network if you're connected? Are you on that person's Wi-Fi? And how does that factor into yeah, the yeah. equation? There's so many, there's so many details and nuances that Netflix would have to track to really, really enforce this. And I'm sure they've thought about all these scenarios, but I'm curious to see how this really unfolds. Yeah, the way that it plays out in practice, right? So for example, yeah. let's say I'm sitting in my office today, I'm needing to kill a little time and I log into Netflix on my cellular, cellular network on my phone. Like, why shouldn't I be able to watch Netflix uh, like 20, like, you know, a couple kilometers from my house on my cell, cell, cell phone without being hit with an extra fee for that? It, it seems kind of like, it seems a little, a little misguided. Maybe registering your devices, that could be an option where you can just register the specific devices that are tied yeah, to your account. Yeah. As long as you do it when you're at home, you can you can travel with it. That's one way of maybe looking at it. I know the way Bell 5 works and, and Crave sometimes is that it knows that you're on your home Wi-Fi, so it authenticates that way. It doesn't even need a username and password. Mm -hmm. So there's, there are ways to do this. We're just not really sure how this is going to unfold once once March really hits. Yeah, the sports streaming platform, DAZN does that, where you yeah. say, like, hey, you, your account includes three or four different devices that you can log into this account and then it doesn't matter where you do that because that device has been registered yeah and that, i mean that, that you know we've had this question too about geo blocking you know for example super bowl was on and in canada we see it on ctv we see that feed so when you leave the country for example and in that country they don't allow you to watch certain things currently netflix blocks it out but you're from your home country so shouldn't you be able to see the content that you get at home mm. Yeah. Lots of nuances here we got to figure out. Yeah, a lot of nuances. Mark, thank you for walking through this. It's an interesting story that has people's hackles up a little bit. It's my pleasure, Dave. That is Mark Aflalo, the co-host of Double Tap TV, which you can find Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV or on demand at AMI.ca or on the AMI-TV app for Apple and Android. No worries about account sharing when it comes to AMI.ca. Coming up after the break, Mike Ross leads the roundtable conversation. A little bit of doom and gloom, but I'll try to put a little positivity on it. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdelmajid are standing by for a roundtable conversation. But Mike Ross has a bit of doom and gloom on your mind. Mike, what's what's got your attention this morning? Uh, I just spent a little bit of time thinking this weekend about the number of troubling things that are happening in the world, right? Turn on any news channel right now and you're going to hear about 
high prices, high interest rates, war in Ukraine. Uh, in in many cases, we uh, hear uh, from people who uh, come on this show and talk to us, for example, of uh, lack of government supports, mm. financial and otherwise, uh, for disability pensions, for example, and uh, things like that. Um, political nastiness is, of course, rampant. And now we're shooting things out of the sky <laughs> right over Canada. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're calling them objects because we don't quite want to say what they are, I guess, or maybe not scare people too much. So there's just so much negativity out there um, that I, I just sort of sat here thinking, you know, I wonder what worries people the most right out of of all these things all this negative news that we get bombarded with all the time what impacts you or worries you the most and Oof. conversely <laughs> what do you do to remain positive and sort of rise above what you know what worries you most um and 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 just sort of bring positivity to your life because mm -hmm. i think it's important yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's start with the negativity before we build into the positivity. Uh, Mike, on your list, uh, you didn't have climate change. I think climate change is something that overarches a lot of this stuff, that climate change is something that leads to higher prices and inflation. Climate change is leading to uh, human rights issues. It's leading to some political nastiness as people have made climate change uh, a political issue more than a science issue. So I think about climate change as being something that overarches a lot of this. Uh, Ramya, what about you? Um, I, I can't choose. And being very sincere when I say this, I think that anything that you kind of can hear about uh, are worried about because it's already out there, you know, things that are going on in other parts of the world uh, can be more worrisome. But for me, what's uh, kind of scary is things that you can't plan for, things that you um, find out about because it's already happened, right? And a lot of those are natural disasters for me, like earthquakes and tsunamis and all these other mm. things. So anything that impacts the environment or impacts your life because of environment um, can be pretty unpredictable, first of all, and that leads to to making me worried. Mm. Nazreen, what keeps you up at night? I know we're going real intense today. Nazreen, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> Um, honestly, I agree with uh, Remya about this. I can't choose when it comes to that because there's so many aspects to it. When it comes to housing, I, I think about, you know, our future kids of what can we afford eventually yeah. uh, when it comes to that. And I also think about um, the damage that has been done all around the world and you feel like there's nothing you can do. And no matter how many donations you make, or um, how many clothes you donate and things like that. It's it's still deep in your heart. It hurts because mm. you know that you have families across the world that are going through this and you really can't do anything about it. And what worries me is my family um, in Palestine or even uh, just in the Middle East being, uh, you know, going through so much every single day and i feel privileged just to have everything and not worry about okay what's going to happen tomorrow mm. am i going to live through tomorrow so yeah mike you heard nizreen uh, mention housing there off the top affordability cost of living it's, it's it's a big it's a big issue too and i had that conversation over the weekend with a couple of friends 
not kind of understanding how someone who's working class lives in Toronto, like lives in a city mm-hmm. like a city in southern Ontario or lives in the greater Vancouver area. It's just so expensive. And I do worry about a lot of the economic pressures that exist where uh, labor has not been compensated with the grow with the rest of the growth in the economy and housing has become so expensive and now it's trickling into things like food. Uh, I do and I and then I worry about how that manifests politically through anger versus sound policy that people want to shove out the politicians instead of thinking like, oh gosh, what do we do to actually maybe make affordability a real, like not a political buzzword, but a real policy solution? Uh, Mike, you made the list, but what out of that list really gets you, uh, your wheels turning? Yeah, I think Dave, the um, you're bang on there. It's the, the affordability factor because, you know, how many times have we been told over our lifetime, you know, do things now, live your life, experience things. Life is short. You never know when it's going to all end for you. So mm-hmm. get out there and live. But even little things in life now are costing so much more Yeah, that I think it, it, it's so hard for so many people to experience living. And I think with that, as you point out, comes that negative, that negativity, that anger, and I, um, I find that I, I find myself fighting harder and harder every day to deal with um, not just my anger, but other people's anger. Yeah. And and, and discourse. Yeah. yeah discourse yeah. just in public, where you know people that I've known my entire life who have been like the nicest, most polite people I've ever known, who now will tell someone to take a flying hike, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in very colorful manners and not think twice about it. And it just, it, it blows my mind yeah. that or, or, or we're, that, or, or, we've done that far. Mike, not to interrupt, but or, or that video that was going around social last weekend of the guy just lighting up a Tim Hortons employee at the drive-thru, right? Like, sure. like yeah. with, with no, like no reason to be lighting up some Tim Hortons employee who's just trying to do their job, right? There's just like a lot of vitriol out there. And and just think about like if you spend any time listening to the news, reading the news, the one thing that we hear about right now in Canada, especially with our economy, is the the labor market and how many people are are taking jobs that have been unfilled forever, and so they're learning new skills, they're learning new jobs. So if you approach any business and any service uh, business in this country, not or, or without that in mind, you're missing the boat here. Like I approach every type of business now with the thought that this person might be brand new to this job. So just mm-hmm. be patient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just give them a chance. They're, they may just be learning. And I don't, I don't expect everyone to walk around with a big sign around their neck saying, thanks for your patience. I'm a trainee. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's incumbent upon us to just chill out and, and relax. You know, like what, what is the real hurry when you're at a Tim Hortons drive through? Like if it's, if it's that important to you to, to be quick, then don't get in the 40 car lineup. That's right. Go in the, get out yep. of your car and go in if you can and get served at the counter. It'll probably be quicker, 
But anyway, that that to me is it, Dave. It's just that with that affordability factor comes all that anger. Okay, so we, we're a little tight for time here. So we have to go sort of 30 seconds each on this. But we do want to offer the possibility for a little bit of positivity in this conversation. I do think Mike identified something there where if you flip side it, it's that kindness and patience is free and goes a long way. There's things like gratitude, remembering to be mindful in the moment. There are things to be grateful for, always things to be grateful for. And the other thing I would say in terms of positivity is don't be embarrassed to embrace your passions. As uh, one of my friends likes to say, you do you, baby boo, uh, which <laughs> I really enjoy as an expression because we shouldn't be embarrassed to indulge in our passions and the things that make us happy, providing they uh, don't hurt anybody else, right? Like, let's be clear, <laughs> if your passion is being a serial killer, don't 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 lean into that. We don't we don't need that. Uh, see, look at me, I'm already being snarky, even in my, even in my expression of uh, positive, positivity but Ramya what about you what do you focus on to try and uh, bring some positivity to your life well I try to focus on the moments which seems pretty simple but the the extent of that is to take everything in moderation um, and that includes the news and includes any kind of rabbit hole and wormhole that you get into where you think oh my god my life the world everything is a disaster yeah, the, pound, the pound of chocolate almonds that I ate last night after Ugh. the Super Bowl so good. But anyway, yeah, like it's true. You, you Everything in moderation and I'm not talking about really um, diet and, and lifestyle here, but really just what you take in because that is what puts you on these mental roller coasters, at least for me, a lot of the time. So uh, I have to take in like when I listen to what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nizreen, what about you? Uh, I start to appreciate the people around me that are genuine. So for example, my intim- my immediate family, um, you start to appreciate them more and that I feel like that's that gives you purpose in life. And when it comes to affordability, we try to avoid not letting money consume us because I feel mm. like when it comes to affordability, we try so hard to be like, okay, can we should we save money? Should we should we go on this trip? Should we do this? Should we buy this lettuce that's so expensive? <laughs> um, we try to avoid, uh, you know, letting it consume every conversation that we have. Mm. Uh, Mike, you heard Ramya mention the idea of moderating the way we consume things, especially in the news. And just before I give you the chance for your concluding thought on this, I will say as sort of a, a moment of media criticism that oftentimes the news will automatically take a negative spin on things mm-hmm. because a negativity will automatically create more reaction than a positivity. And I don't mean like necessarily the human interest story is the flip side of that. Like, oh, the rescued owl in PEI isn't this adorable. I'm not talking about that. I mean, there are sometimes things that do deserve a little bit of positivity, but it's tough to really platform them. So just just remember, if you out there as a news consumer, oftentimes the news industry is trying to create tension in their stories because that's the hook. That's what's supposed to make it interesting. So I always like to put that grain of salt in anybody's mind if they're fresh to media or fresh to media criticism or news consumption that that you have to be able to separate sort of the goal of the story versus the information of the story. I just wanted to lay that out there, Mike, before I give you an opportunity for a concluding thought, but we got to be a little quick here, Mike. We're, We're up against it. Yeah, my big thing is, um, I, I think, uh, giving of myself to others. I think that that helps me. And it, it makes me feel like, you know, it's not just all about me, that I can actually do something to to help others. And the other thing is, and I'm holding up both hands here, is stop. And that's the most important thing that I've learned in the last couple of years is to just stop. 
go outside, breathe, uh, listen to some meditative music, um, go down, you know, I live right near the shore of Lake Ontario, go down by the side of the lake and just relax Yeah, and mm-hmm. take time to stop. And it, and it doesn't mean go grab a book. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, go, go play your favorite video game. Those are important too. But I think just stopping mm-hmm. and doing nothing, there is no shame in doing nothing mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. stopping, let everything just recharge. Yeah, there are things in your life that you cannot control and that you cannot solve in that moment. So sometimes yeah. you just have to stop. Mike, thank you for this. You're filling in for Alex again tomorrow. So we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it. Nazreen, thank you. Have a great day. It was lovely chatting with you uh, over the air on Saturday night. Thank you, too. And Ramya, just before we say goodbye to you, you are the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which kicks off at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. What's the one thing you want to highlight from today's show? Ooh, we're talking with Katja Newman, and she's talking about the NED Student Award Program uh, that's leading up to the ami Auto scholarship but specifically about how the organization is helping people with disabilities financially oh right on top top very topical top of the line ramya thank you for this thank you that is ramya amethan the co-host of kelly and ramya which comes your way 2 p.m eastern time on ami audio and ami tv coming up after the break podcast coordinator ryan delahanty is here to let you know what ami podcasts you want to keep your eyes keep on your radar this week this is now with dave brown on ami tv Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. AMI podcast coordinator Ryan Delahanty is here to highlight a couple of AMI podcasts to keep on your radar this week. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Morning, Dave. How are you today? I'm well. Ryan, Raising Kindness with Becky Zarr, just a spectacular podcast about kindness and about giving back to the community. There's a new episode dropping. What should people expect from those most recent episodes? So they've already visited with the CNIB Kids Camp, a senior's home, the Royal Canadian Legion, and a few other groups. And in the fifth episode coming out tomorrow, Becky, her son Bennett, and his school friend Danica volunteer with the Regina Food for Learning program, which helps keep uh, school children supplied with healthy meals and snacks. There's a clip from the video podcast where the kids discuss how eye-opening an experience it was for them. Have you guys ever considered that there might be fellow students in your class that are hungry because they have limited food at home? I haven't thought about that. Honestly, it didn't cross my mind until we were there and we were almost on our way out. And I was like, holy, like some of these kids in my class or my school might have this and like they would somewhat depend on it to have a good day and survive. Yeah, and I guess like what you said now that I think about it, that they actually, then you actually think about it and like think to say, oh, do these kids in our class or school wide, do they have food to survive on a daily basis? Ryan, food security, a very, very important issue. That episode comes out tomorrow. An episode that is already out is last week's edition of The Pulse on AMI-audio, where Juita Gupta got a little romantic in the conversation. 
That's right. And so, of course, the Pulse has been a fixture on AMI for quite a while. And, when myself uh, and Andrika Delanero <laughs> launched it in 2017. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in this uh, 22nd edition of the video podcast, Joita interviews sisters Jacqueline and Alexa Child, who are creators of the dating app and website Datability. Datability being the only dating app designed for and by uh, disabled and chronically ill communities and uh, for people who often encounter ableism on your traditional dating apps. Uh, the Child Sisters are, of course, incredibly passionate about fostering a safe and accepting space to create meaningful connections for people with physical, intellectual, and psychiatric disabilities. And they want to create a space that welcomes people of all genders and sexual orientations, makes disclosing your disability easy and comfortable and strive to make the most positive dating and friend-seeking as well experience that they can. One of the elements of the interview was talking about how datability got started. Let's take a moment to hear what they had to say. It got started because of my sister's negative experiences on the mainstream dating apps. Um, she is disabled due to chronic illness and experienced a lot of ableism and offensive comments once she disclosed her disability, regardless of what stage the relationship was in, it didn't really matter whether she told somebody right away or when they got to know each other more, she was always met with rejection. Um, and then about a year, over a year ago now, a year and a half ago, she finally made the tough decision to get a feeding tube for her gastroparesis. And I sort of panicked for her because she'd already struggled so much on the dating apps how was a person who doesn't have much experience with disability or chronic illness going to understand that she doesn't eat three meals a day, that she gets her nutrition from a formula while she sleeps at night? Um, and I know she'd always looked for a dating app for the disabled community and people like her, but she could never find one. And I decided to suggest, we both decided right then and there, let's make our own. So folks can find the Datability app on iOS and Android or visit datability.com, datability.com to uh, learn more about that one. And uh, Ryan, in terms of some of these uh, podcasts, that episode of The Pulse, already available if folks want to look for that on their favorite podcasting platform or visit the blog ami.ca slash The Pulse or for Raising Kindness, ami.ca slash Raising Kindness. Ryan, I've got to hold you to about 20 seconds on this one, but how important is it a reminder about inclusivity in dating? Um, can't be stressed enough, you know, as they sort of talk about in that episode, you know, everybody needs support with something or another. Everybody has their own struggles, uh, their own insecurities. And, uh, you know, you really want to get to know that full person. So uh, to, you know, take what may be a disability and, you know, assume uh, everything that may or may not come with that, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So to have a little bit more of an educated environment where those things can be, you know, addressed properly mm -hmm. uh, is critical. Ryan, thank you for this. Sorry we had to rush you a little bit today. Oh, no problem at all. That's AMI Podcast Coordinator Ryan Delahanty. That's all the time we have for the show today. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. 
Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Juita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.